In this episode of Balancing the Christian Life, we talk about podcasting with four other podcasters as I celebrate one year of picking up the microphone. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. I'm Dr. Kenny Embry. We'll talk about how to be better Christians and people in the digital age. Let's go. On June 20th, 2020, I decided to pick up a microphone and try podcasting. Since then, I've learned some things and made some excellent friends. On June 20th, 2021, I wanted to celebrate the podcast, but I wasn't sure what to do. For a while, I thought I would simply just go to the next episode. I wanted to finish up my series on digital literacy, and there were several excellent interviews I wanted to release. My family responsibilities also picked up in June and July as all of us were out of school, and my oldest two were figuring out their college plans. So I would simply let the anniversary slip by unannounced. But then, I passed the 10,000 download mark, which is a pretty big deal for me. And I started hearing from more people and what the podcast has meant to them. I was thinking about resurrecting an old online Facebook group I had let languish. And after a year of podcasting, I went from 12 members to 170 members in a week. Two weeks after that, I'm now up to 440. I'm really proud of both the podcast and the group. And I began to think celebrating might be a good idea. I'm releasing this on August 27th, 2021. So I'm a couple months behind, but I figure I set the rules for this. I wanted to count some of the blessings of the podcast by bringing people on that I only know through the podcast. If you're listening to me, I have no doubt you've listened to Chris Emerson on Excel Still More. He has become a good friend and someone I admire. He gave me valuable advice on how to begin and was someone who helped me both find a voice and an audience when I didn't have much of either. Hal Hammonds, the host of Citizen of Heaven, is likewise someone who's helped me with several hair-brained projects. I've been trying to pull off a couple of books and fleshing out some online ideas. Jeff O'Rear and Emerson Brown are recent friends who co-host Working with the Word. They are both smart and generous, and I'm blessed to know them. Each of these guys mean a lot to me, and each of these guys are people I only know as a voice through earbuds, text on a screen, and a computer image completely dependent on an internet connection. I've argued in this podcast, powerful things happen in digital media. These guys are living proof. We have never shaken hands, but I consider each of them good friends. Hey guys, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and ask you guys to introduce yourself around. Uh, Hal Hammonds, I am the preacher at the Lakewoods Drive Church of Christ in Georgetown, Texas. I am the host of the Citizen of Heaven podcast and the 20 Pages a Week podcast on uh, social media, Facebook, YouTube, all that kind of thing. Hey, I'm Jeff O'Rear. I'm currently living in Longview, Texas, working with the Judson Road Church of Christ. Uh, I co-host Working with the Word with Emerson Brown, who I'm glad to be here with today and glad to be with you all to talk about this venue and platform. I'm Emerson. Uh, I live in Westfield, Indiana, working with the church here. Westfield is just north of Indianapolis, and glad to be with you guys too. And Jeff, uh, co-host of Working with the Word. 
I am Chris Emerson. I am in Lindale, Texas. Been here a bit over six years. That's east of Dallas. And I host the Excel Still More podcast, which started in January of 2019. And through that, I've met Kenny and a lot of other great folks. So I should say Kenny. I should say I met Kenny and some great folks is what I should have said. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. All of you guys basically host a podcast. I started podcasting about a year ago, and one of the things that, that has struck me is there's just something different about this platform. It, it's different than, than YouTube. It's different than, than Facebook. It's different than all these other platforms. What has surprised you about podcasting in particular? What surprised me was how personal it is for the listener. There's something about them on their commute or during their workout which is the top two times when people listen and or when they're maybe cleaning the house or something, but they're doing something by themselves and you are speaking right to them. I don't know if any part of today's episode is helping people with podcasting, but use pronouns that articulate that because that's how they get it. I don't say, well, you guys or all the listeners or no, yeah. it's you because to them it's you and when I meet people and they say, you know, you don't know me, but I feel like we've been friends for years. I know that because I'm also a podcast listener, but that surprised me how personal, kind of awesome that is. Yeah. Well, just kind of dovetailing on what Chris said, I have basically quit listening to music in the conventional sense. If yeah. I'm in the car, if I walk in the dog or whatever, I have a podcast in. And, and listen to Chris and you and, and the guys also. And it really is like a, a private conversation. It's this person is talking to me, right? I mean, I'm wearing earbuds. It's literally going straight into my brain. When it's done right, it really is kind of remarkable, though. It's just me and the voice. It, it is a very personal kind of thing. I like what Chris said there, that we need to be presenting it in a personal kind of way. It's it's a little private conversation, the voice in your head, literally the voice in your head. Yeah, yeah. The ease of how things could get started. Bought like a $70 microphone. I think everybody had Zoom already in 2020, or at least sometime around April of 2020 on. Yeah. And basically with that, Emerson and I started emailing and taking an idea I mean, I didn't have to drive to a radio station. I didn't have to rent time on the local television to do anything like that. But here I am with a guy who's a thousand miles away from me and we're able to put ideas together. And then like the other guys have mentioned, start to try to connect with people. I guess in my mind, one of the things that was really scary about starting a podcast was I thought I'd need a soundboard, I, you know, all this fancy expensive equipment. It was just really easy to get it started. Anybody can do it. <laughs> That's the thing that surprised me the most, too. The barrier to entry is very low. But I think one of the things that I would say about podcasting specifically, that intimacy that all of you have talked about, you can take a podcast on the road with you that you can basically engage in long form conversation as opposed to short form conversation, which is typical of YouTube and, and that YouTube traditionally has a shorter attention span mostly because it commands more of your attention. You have to watch it. What surprised you about some of the people that listen and some of the relationships that you've been able to establish because of the podcast? There's some instant credibility, which is strange because you guys can't see this right now if you're listening 
but Kenny's in his wife's closet. Like I can see her clothing <laughs> behind him. And we just said the barrier of entry is like a closet and I have a MacBook with GarageBand. And my first three episodes were recorded sitting in my closet for total free. I mean, at no cost. But because of the intimacy of it, like you're instantly believable. Yeah. There's this sense of buy-in. And and I was surprised, but it, it just means that if you're going to get into this, don't just pontificate. Like you're going to make connections. Be thoughtful on what you express. Uh, this isn't just some place where you spout stuff. People are going to listen and believe you. Yeah. Well, kind of along similar lines, I wanted to talk a little bit about managing expectations, having a, a reasonable assessment of what your level of commitment is, what kind of results you're looking for. We can't all be Chris Emerson, but Chris <laughs> comes into podcasting from a certain point of view, a, a certain standpoint. You know, I don't have 10,000 people who know my name. I don't hold 20 meetings a year or whatever. If you're relatively high profile, and I don't mean that as a critical thing at all, Chris, by the way, he was in a position to make make a big entry, large numbers at the beginning. Uh, I'm not in that position, and I needed to understand that, and I did. Podcasting is a great situation to allow God to give the increase. Yeah. Because Amen. there is very little feedback from the audience. Mostly, you're looking at just throwing the seat out there into the wind, and whatever happens, happens. You have to be content with that. And that is a great exercise in humility. It's a great exercise in work ethic and quality control. Like Chris was saying before, being focused on doing the best you can, because you don't know what's going to happen. When I'm able to put my voice out there into the ether, I allow God to give the increase. It's not about how many clicks I get or how many likes I get, how many shares I get. Or I'm trying not to let that be the case anymore. Yeah, I get that drive satisfaction from what I have control over and allow that to be enough. I think that there's a lot of things that Hal said that how Emerson and I approach just as far as our moms and maybe our wives and maybe a few other people at our church at the time might've known that we were doing a podcast. Yeah. I think originally it started with, you know, I had a goal, something I wanted to do and I was looking for somebody to help me be accountable on that and then our goal was to thinking, well, is there something we can do to also encourage others mm-hmm. with this? And I know you've talked before, Kenny, when it comes to, you know, not everybody's going to have a blog or a podcast, but if you do wanting to think about who's your audience, and you talked about some girl who I think wrote a story and it, she's like, you know, for this is for anyone. Well, not necessarily for everyone's going to tune into this, but somebody's really going to connect to that, right? All right. You know, I haven't had a whole lot of people who have been like, oh, you're Jeff over here from working with the word or, you know, about that. There are some people who... Or he has some relationships where they're like, hey, I just really appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, some people are like, I- I've fallen behind and I'm not caught up on the podcast. And I'm like, well, that's that's OK. But I'll try to say, what about some of the things you've learned, though? Has that been helpful? And and like Hal mentioned, that that's more about drawing them closer to the Lord. Yeah. Between Jeff and me, Jeff is the one that has more like everybody knows who Jeff is. <laughs> when I look at our stats, like more people are listening in Texas <laughs> than in Indiana. Which I always say Texas is a lot bigger than Indiana. Yeah. That's true. When we first started, I don't think Jeff and I expected that we would be 
getting a lot of followers, you know, from the beginning. It's been a little bit slow a building, but we've been able to build a base. I like what Hal said about God giving the increase because that's one of my biggest struggles with podcasting is not seeing the fruit of it. We've got a few comments that people have made in the less than year that we've done this coming up on a year. And we've had some feedback from people asking us questions and we've we've tried to generate that by crowdsourcing like we're, we've we started a, a difficult passages series where we ask people to send us the, their difficult passages and i keep thinking we're going to live to regret that <laughs> um, we all think that emerson <laughs> but but i, I think you know what what hal said is exactly right this is for me it's been a it's been a challenge it's been an exercise in remembering we don't have to see the fruit of it personally to know that it's doing good. Now, we would like to see fruit, and I want to see fruit, and Jeff, and I want to have yeah. more interaction, but it takes patience to build those. And uh, so that's one of the things I, I wanted to ask you guys, um, and hopefully get a little bit, is how you've been able to to uh, to get those personal interactions with people um, on, a, on a one-to-one, whether it's through the comments or email or whatever it is. How do you use podcasts to do that? You can have a various different sizes of the people who listen and impact and all that. And there's a lot of factors, but I can tell you this two and a half years into this, that it's still the one person. Yeah. I quite honestly would have stopped this at the end of last year, two years, a nice run for me to do something outside of the, um, it's not a big rock, I guess it's not an, an essential. It's just sort of like a middle, medium sized rock. And I would have said, you know, I'm gonna do something else, but Every once in a while, and then maybe it'll be a little less frequently for you because it just it's, it's a scale thing. But once a week or so, I get something, some email, some per, one person, and that's why I record for the one. And, and I think the beauty of that is it doesn't matter what the size of your impact is. It's a collection of ones. It's a collection no. of moms yeah. mm-hmm. or wives or husbands or fellow preachers, and it's still the power of one. It's not like you. You get a certain number of listeners and somebody throws you a parade or something and a whole group. Like, no, that, that doesn't, it's, it just means that you perhaps are influencing more ones. I started the, the podcast out by talking to my son. And, and the, the irony of that was my son didn't listen to the podcast. Um, but but I needed somebody to talk to. And I started off by talking about spiritual maturity because I thought Jake needs to understand this. And then when I started doing that spiritual maturity thing, George Sanchez reached out to me. And he said, that this really means a lot to me. I wasn't talking to George. I am now. And then I started hearing about a woman named Anne out in Oregon. And she was like, I love what you're doing. And I was like, holy cow. I had no idea anybody from Oregon was, was listening to this. And now I'm thinking about Anne and Jake and George. And I keep on thinking, you know, George would ask this differently. Let me ask it the way George would, because I think I know what he's going to use this for. And just exactly what Chris is talking about. If it weren't for the individuals, I wouldn't know what to say. Within the past six months, I feel like I've gotten to know Kenny Embry. I've gotten to know Chris Emerson. Now, part of that is I've run into Chris from time to time or, or Hal or Ryan Joy and Brian Shelley, some of these people I listen to regularly. And 
And even though some of those connections that may have already been there, a lot of that is I'm listening to them and I'm, I'm thinking that they are talking to me. And I think like you said, I'm not just a podcast producer. I'm probably more of a podcast listener and I yeah, listen to yeah, yeah. a lot of podcasts. And I don't know that I've adopted all of those skills that I want to, that I, I see from all those other people. But I think building those connections are important because it's not just a blob. It's a person. When we're reaching out to that one person that Chris is talking about, just just a, a brief word, and and I realize it's going to sound like I'm asking people to feed the monster. I, I realize that. But at the same time, when that one person reaches back, when you get the that one person in a thousand that Chris is talking about, when they say, hey, you know what? That made a difference. Or even ask a question or have a complaint as far as that goes. <laughs> this This form is very much speaking out into the void. When every once in a while a voice comes back, that is extraordinarily powerful from this side of the microphone. And that's, I think, especially the case for preachers, because we are used to instant feedback and pretty close to 100% positive feedback. You know, if somebody has something nasty to say about me, they're going to say it to their wife on the way home. They're not going to say it to me. Right. (laughs) Uh, But pretty much everybody feels obligated to shake my hand on the way out and say something generally nice or maybe even specifically nice. We get used to that and we we grow to crave that. It, It feeds the the energy. You don't get much of that online. There is a huge void between the speaker and the listener. When we can bridge that gap a little bit and and get feedback and get a share, just a little bit of that really supports me, at least. It supports all of us. And, yeah. and hopefully, I'm going to try to do a little bit more of that. Yeah. That's why I'm here with Kenny today, <laughs> <laughs> to encourage Kenny. It is personal, and people want to hear you represent what they're thinking. And in my experience, preaching and sermons don't often do that. Yeah. A lot of preaching is very status quo. It's very... Here's what we believe on A, B, C. It's very rarely like, hey, I've got doubts about this passage or yes. I have questions about that. Or what if what we think is 100% is not 100% or or what if there's actually a lot of pain in the church and you can't just read Philippians 4 and everybody go dancing out, high-fiving everyone. Like Sometimes I think we need a full transition into more realistically based preaching. But in the meantime, whether you're Emerson and Jeff doing their textual work and their study work or you're Hal covering the sections of scripture, Kenny and I are more practical based stuff, like represent what the people really feel and think and then try to help them. Like, let's get real about what what we really wrestle with in scriptures. And, And I'm not indicting preachers from a pulpit standpoint, but there's a sense in which when you're preaching, you're at worship, you're in worship. You can only preach the things you know. And you're trying to help an audience. But I don't know. I feel like this is a beautiful avenue to to be a little more honest about how Christians really feel about their walk and about the text. I do think that I've come to appreciate a little bit more in the last, I don't know, two or three, maybe four weeks, that podcasting is a space where you have more of a conversation, and preaching, in a sense, is a conversation too. But there's there's a little bit more at stake when you're preaching than when you're podcasting. And with, with a podcast, I mentioned our Difficult Passages series. Before we started that, we, we started with an episode that was titled, I Don't Know. And it was about, 
you know, what do you do whenever you come across a passage that you don't know what it means? And basically we said that you have to start by saying, I don't know, and be okay with that. Yeah. And I'm not sure that that's a sermon that I would preach. Maybe maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> but I didn't think of it as a sermon, but I definitely <laughs> think that's that's a podcast. You know, and that that kind of thing is what kind of drives people to listen to podcasts because it, it is a little bit more personal that way. Do, do you mind if I ask a question bouncing off what Emerson just said? What do you guys mm-hmm. think about the voice that we have on the podcast versus the voice that we have in the pulpit or in real life, as far as that goes, should they be the same? Should they be different or does it vary from place to place? I like that question. I built it on purpose to be different because sermons, everybody's in a suit and tie. It's a reverence. It's a worship thing. The scripture has to be in the center. I mean, it's a worship event. And then you build some practicalities around it if you want. But I got to thinking, you know, I think I can help people by just talking to them about my common issues and check this out, putting the practicalities in the middle and just attaching passages occasionally. I mean, that's not preaching. So I built the podcast to be the inversion of preaching where you can just feature our problems and insecurities and practicalities and maybe use verses, maybe not even use verses. So I built it as that. And that was something that helped it take off in my, what I wanted to do. I mean, everybody's got a different thing they're trying to do because people were able to share it with their family members and friends who were wary of Church of Christ preachers. That's what worked. Now, what's interesting two and a half years in is I haven't brought the the sermony aspect into the podcast very much, but I've brought the human condition centralization from the podcasting into the sermons more. And just use like one central text, but speak to the pain in the room, speak to the needs in the room. And I think it's been awesome. Uh, so I probably didn't expect that, but it started as a total opposite thing. And it's ended up blending in a kind of a cool way. That's kind of cool. Let me get this right. Am I the only non-preacher here? We're all preaching one way or the other, Kenny. <laughs> uh, that's what, yeah. that's and, a nice way of saying yes. I, I don't even mean that as a joke kind of thing because uh, Kenny, your podcast is, is different from our podcast. There's no point in, in denying that or apologizing for it. It's, yeah. it's different, but it is rooted in spiritual reality. And the things that you do as a Christian on your podcast are the same things that you do as a Christian when you're buying groceries or the things that you do as a Christian when you're at the football game or whatever. You're representing Jesus uh, wherever you go and whatever you do. Yeah. It's going to sound different when you're a college professor versus when you're a full-time gospel preacher or a former rock star or whatever. <laughs> that, that's a good thing. There, there's there's no point denying that or, or fighting that. That's yeah. a good thing. I know. When I hear Hal talk about voice, um, part of that I think of like actual tone and stuff. I mean, yeah. I've known preachers who like, you know, you talk to them in the hall or in the foyer and they've got just kind of like this, oh, I feel like I'm looking at, and then all of a sudden they get in the pulpit and it's just like this, boom, like a, a whole new personality <laughs> has has taken on. And yeah. I hope that, um, like Chris mentioned, I'm wearing a suit usually and, and I'm a guy who I like to, you know, usually wear button downs and I don't mind wearing dress clothes type of thing. And so, you know, if, if I wore that every day, it wouldn't bother me. But hopefully the way that I interact with people 
And while, yes, you know, when I'm preaching, I'm not getting direct feedback. Usually when I'm podcasting, I'm not getting direct feedback. But I hope that people will see a similarity as they may get the chance to know me in the foyer or in my home or when I'm in their home, that they'll see that this guy isn't really that different. He's not putting on some preacher voice or his preacher suit. So I, I get that. I, I like what Chris had to say about you know, the the perspective of kind of you know, start with the scripture, move to the practical, start with the practical, move to the scripture. I, I probably didn't phrase that exactly right, but I think I at least got some of the idea. But also making sure that as a person, I'm still the same guy when I podcast as I am whenever I I'm talking to you about Pokemon with that eight-year-old kid at Dairy Queen the other night or, you know, whatever. And obviously the topics are different, but hopefully people will say, you know, Jeff really isn't that different. Whether he's behind a music stand teaching class or he's in a podium or he's in his office with a microphone right up in his face, he's still (laughs) Jeff. And I hope uh, that's my take on kind of that question of kind of the voices that me as a person, I'm still the same. Yeah, I get that. What's the biggest benefit that you've gotten from this? The, the biggest benefit for me, easily, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a close second place, is the relationship I've been able to build with other people in this space, uh, including people in this conversation. I, I was tremendously impressed when I, I started, it might have been in December. It was If it was not December, it was mid-November. I said, I'm going to do a weekly live stream on Facebook, talking about the Bible, reading 20 pages a week, gigantic texts, you know, half of Genesis, all of Exodus, you know, Leviticus. And and I'm going to have somebody out there who I'm vaguely acquainted with on Facebook. I'm going to have them guest host with me and carry the conversation and kind of feed them some stuff and let them go along with this. And, and make whatever comment for half an hour live on Facebook. Yeah. And I kept asking people and people kept saying yes. It's a reminder to me about how connected we are in the spirit, even if we're not connected in the flesh. And maybe COVID caused us to crave it a little bit more, mm-hmm. at least crave this kind of community. If I yeah. can't have live in-person interaction with people that I know, people that I genuinely care about, that I have real concrete relationships with, at least give me this. At least give me some kind of online relationship, some kind of, of not exactly a substitute, but a stand-in. And now we're getting to the point where maybe we can have both these things. Maybe we can rejoin in-person and have the true connection that we need in local churches and face-to-face relationships. And we get the other thing too. We can have these virtual relationships with other people. That's just a a tremendous blessing. And uh, I did not necessarily see that coming. I I did not see that it would be that easy to make that kind of connection. One of the biggest benefits for me with our particular program hasn't really been the stuff that just Emerson and I do. But it's usually when we have other people, um, and I think getting to listen to people talk about their interactions, their encouragements with the Word of God. And a lot of those end up being preachers, Mark Roberts, Warren Berkeley, Rick Ligon, Jeff uh, Archer. But some of those interviews have been people that we know who are you know non-preachers, and mm-hmm. they people like Sarah Renz or uh, 
Rachel Goble. Our show isn't usually an interview kind of show um, like some others are, but to just listen to folks talk about real life. I've had people tell me that the interview episodes are their favorites of all the ones that we do. And I would probably say the same thing too, um, because they're just so helpful. People come from a little bit different perspectives sometimes and are able to add something that I hadn't thought of before. Another huge benefit that I've taken from this is just just working with Jeff. I mean, I knew Jeff. He's my brother-in-law. But I feel like I, I know him better now than than I would have if, if we hadn't started this work together. And another benefit on top of that, it's helped me to be a more disciplined Bible student and even a more disciplined evangelist. Yeah. Those are all great. I could talk about relationships. I think that's the commonality. I'll be totally selfish for my answer and just talk about the benefit that I have gotten. And it's four words, I think. I am not alone. I'm not alone in my insecurities. I'm not alone in my doubts. I'm 160 episodes in, something like that. And my tone has changed a little bit throughout because I was more guarded in the beginning and more careful, more practical. And the more that I've shown what I don't know or what I struggle with, it's probably like Jeff and Emerson. If they do an episode on a difficult passage and they suggest three possibilities when, you know, in the church, you're maybe supposed to say it's A, and you're like, you know, I'm not and it might be B or it might be all the above or none of the above. They're not going to get emails saying you guys are false teachers and you need to lock it down. They're going to get emails saying thank you because I've always kind of been forced in a direction and I internally I'm struggling. The more vulnerable that I have gotten through this to open up, the more support because not because they go, oh, Chris is down. Let's pick him up but because they feel just like I feel Mm -hmm. they're conflicted, just like I'm conflicted. And I could say that the benefit is helping them, but the equal benefit is, I just feel like it's all going to be okay because I'm not alone Uh, from a preacher standpoint. And now this is off topic a bit, but the greatest thing that's happened to me in the last 20 years is sitting down for coffee or gyros or, tacos or sitting down with preachers that I didn't know in other places and me just going, Hey dude, like, this is what I think about this. And I know it's out there and I know it doesn't fit the mold exactly, but like I've been studying and then look at me and go, me too. Like, that's what I think. And going, what? Like, I'm not on an Island by myself on this, you know? Uh, Um, I feel like what others are getting listening to me going, oh, I'm not alone. I'm getting two. And yeah. and it's it's awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. not quite sure why you chose to have four preachers on with you here, Kenny, but you're, you're getting a little <laughs> well, bit of an insight into our the the subculture. And and it shows up when we when we show up to to podcast in a in a common venue or whatever. What Chris is saying is is totally right. It, there is a, an isolation that's that's not healthy. It's not good, and it's not enjoyed either. Most of us, and and maybe Jeff and Emerson have kind of a built-in uh, safeguard against that because you know they work together, and uh, Chris has partners in the work also. It, it can be a lonely kind of thing. Yeah, and and when you are in a position like you are, Kenny, when you are able to have a. a, a different approach it's it's christ-centered but it goes off in different tangents oh yeah yeah yeah. preachers are kind of expected 
talk about the Bible all the time. And, and it feels a little disingenuous when you're not talking about the Bible. If you're in a position <laughs> to just say who you are, uh-huh. this is who I am. This is what I do. These are the things that I'm interested in. I think to a certain degree, that makes almost naturally for a more interesting, more engaging kind of podcast. Because if if the the host isn't engaged, then why should I be engaged? Why should right. I, I listen to what, what he has to say? But if if I'm talking with people that I that I value, or I'm listening to people talk to me about things that they value, about common interests, that really stokes the fire. We yeah. we probably have you know all of us a friend that we could call up at two o'clock in the morning and ask him about this digital discipleship. But you probably better not take advantage of that too often, or you're going to lose that friend. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just not a good way to go. Yeah, I can hear Kenny Embry talk to me anytime I want to uh, about this and talk from the heart. How and- ten minutes, man? Sum it up. <laughs> Chris, you're not too far away for me to slap. You know, I, yeah, I, can I know. Reach I, over know. There, I know. I know. I'll go ahead and tell you. I mean, the reason I chose you guys, I've never met any of you face to face, not a single one of you, and yet all of you have come very important to me. I, I really highly regard regard all of your work. I think one of the things that that I'm trying to get more congregations to do is to consider podcasting over some of these others. Do you think that's wise advice? And if not, why not? And if so, why? You know, we're all so different. It's so fascinating to me. I think what Jeff and Emerson are doing are terrific companion pieces to a church, like yeah, uh, to the church audience, to evangelism, even um, yeah. What you and I do, Kenny, is is very different than that. I don't associate what I'm doing with the Lindale Church. I have a jingle that I don't apologize for, even right. though there can be no jingles in the church, you know. And I talk about whatever I want, and I've monetized it. Monetized yeah. it. I mean, we yeah. want our preachers poor and dependent, right? And <laughs> it's just so interesting. I think that that some of it is is an opinion piece, which is kind of what Kenny and I do a little bit, and and and, yeah. and you keep it separate from the church, and it's just kind of you selling you a little bit. I've gotten a little negative feedback from people who are like, you know, this looks like you selling you. Well, yeah, I'm doing a podcast where I'm sharing what I think about things. So yeah, that's kind of how that works. But then there are things that would be more associated with scripture. Um, Maybe Mm -hmm. some guys do things like BJ Sipes a little bit or that really associate like what's going on at church, uh, the Charlestown road group, uh, Jason Harden, you know, they, they really associate with their church. Right. That's cool too, but it's a different thing. You know, I tell people, if you want to do something separate from the church, then you need to, it needs to sound amazing. Can't have the ums in it. And you've got to be to the point. And, and I don't know if it's if it's two guys just talking. I, I guess I'm not saying anything except there are different lanes here, and the rules are different per your lane a little bit. And I chose yeah. a lane that was not a C of C lane, and mm-hmm. I like that I did that. I deliberately did that when, yeah. when I started. Also, I, I made a conscious decision. This is not a work of the church. This is right. what I want to do for me. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to carry with me. It's going to carry my brand. Uh, most of the time. And a lot of churches do have podcasts. Mm-hmm. That, they call them podcasts, and usually what it is is a recording of the service, sermon, a recording yeah. of the sermon, or occasionally recording of congregational singing, which is fine. Yeah, and and 
that's under the same umbrella heading as podcasts. I don't think that's really what you're talking about. No. Uh, for me as a, as a, as a preacher, mm-hmm. if I want to preach a sermon, I'll preach a sermon. Yeah. If I want to, to speak about me. Yeah. I want to keep that out of the church. Yeah. We, uh, I want that to be me. Yeah. And, and that's kind of my guiding principle with regard to, to podcasting here. I, mm-hmm. I want to be able to make a personal connection to my audience wherever they happen to be. Yeah. And uh, that's something that I can carry with me that is a part of me. It uh, it should be identified with me. And it it takes the onus off of the church and the elders for being responsible for something that they really don't have anything to do with. They're, right. they're not in, engaged in that. My opinion is sermons are better with video because you can see the mannerisms. You can see the slides. People like to watch the sermons. There are people who listen to the sermons. Podcasting is a listener event. It has nothing to do with my hands, my body expression, the the gaze that I have, or my, I have no slides. Um, So I, I like YouTube and video for church related content. And I like audio only for personal content. That's my opinion on it. Yeah. And I've tried to do a crossover. You know, I do a YouTube version of the podcast. Yeah. And and I was I that was a very early decision that I made. And speaking to what Chris just said here, I, I've really been surprised from the beginning how little impact that had. It, that's it really does seem to be two different audiences. Yeah. It's the people who who listen to the podcast listen to the podcast. Yeah. It's uh it's not a video kind of environment. Uh, I'll probably continue to do that because there are some people who don't do podcasts and they do do YouTube, sure, which is fine. But uh, if any audio podcaster out there is thinking about getting into video, call me. Talk to me <laughs> first. Video is a pain. It's it's a lot tougher than you think it is. Yeah, stick with audio unless you get some compelling reason to do otherwise. Uh, I think Jeff and I are still trying to figure out the rules of the road of our lane, and. <clears throat> You know, the way that I viewed our podcast when we first started, and I I think that Jeff would agree that he viewed it this way too, maybe not, maybe you can (laughs) insert your thoughts here, but I I did not view this as something that the church was doing at all. It was completely separate. I didn't ask anybody. We don't have an eldership um, here at Westfield, Um, and if we did, I may have brought it up but I, I, I don't think I would have needed to ask their permission or anything because it's not associated with, with the church here. I, I viewed this as something that was going to be reaching a wider audience. And people at church know that I have a podcast, but I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't really talk about it. And I've, I don't think I've ever mentioned it like from the pulpit or anything. Um, and people just kind of come to realize that, that I've got it uh, or that we, we've got it. And I think, you know, Jeff, you had a move in the middle of what we've done so far from one church to another. And so, but you, but you kept the work. And so, you know, f- from a personal standpoint, I'm still trying to figure out how to juggle those, those, those rules, but I've, I've never viewed this as a work that, you know, the, the church here is doing. Um, now I, I think podcasts, I, I wish that we could figure out a way to make it be more kind of what we were talking about earlier with the fruit. I wish I could find a way to make it 
um, more locally known um, as a way to reach the lost, um, an evangelistic tool. I'm not sure how to do that, though. Um, and so that's still trying to figure that out. It just doesn't do that. I mean, to me, video of your church service, that's your local evangelism. Nobody walks inside of a building anymore if they don't know what's inside of it first, which sounds really silly because how would you know what's inside of it first if you've never been in there? Locally, we have done much, much better on impact by streaming or posting or getting members to share our services where people realize those Church of Christers aren't half bad because their service, you know, um, the podcast for me has been more of a outside of the local, like, I don't think most of our Lindell people listen. They probably do. They just won't tell me. But <laughs> podcasting is uh, is more of a helping some guy with a conversation with his dad in Mississippi that you may or may not ever hear about. But they're both important. They're both great. But uh, if I had to keep one and lose the other, I would I would stop the podcast and I would make sure Lindell saw what happened in this building. I think it's really important. It's gotten really inexpensive to do. There's really no excuse not to do. It. I think that we've touched on it. Just it's it's hard to to say that those are all the same. I mean, they all operate in the digital world to a degree, right? In the digital sphere. Um, but but I am definitely somebody who, and I don't know if I propose it well. And I hope I keep my cool when I talk about. It, but like technology and Christianity is a platform that I'm not sure necessarily sure I'm on the box, but I'm cheerleading you max dawson chris emerson other church charlestown road guys who work with those who are doing things to let people know that facebook is not just of the devil yeah there are people on facebook who are nasty and rude and you've talked a lot about this so i mean this may be just repeat a whole bunch of stuff but stuff like podcasts have have value when you are looking for that value. If you want to look up some podcast where someone's talking about wicked or nasty things, sure, those things are out there, but podcasts can be good things to reach those who are willing to, to listen. <laughs> that was so much fun. If you've listened to my other interviews, you'll notice I'm missing the last question. What is good? I modified it by asking what good you could say about the other podcasters in the digital room. It became too personal for a mass audience. So I'm going to save that just for the five of us. I love and respect these guys. And I think it's pretty safe to say the feeling is mutual. That said, the hard part about this episode was limiting it to four. Edwin is a close and good friend. If I want to laugh, I'll reach out to my friends Nikki and Julie. Phil Robertson is likewise a good friend. Keith Stonehart has come to mean a lot to me and is a good muchacho. Darren Gertis is likewise a great friend and colleague. The list goes on, and I apologize to people I've left out. I've learned a lot about myself in the podcast. I'm not the only one who struggles with Christianity. And when we share that struggle, we can truly help one another. I've talked a lot about being an idiot or being broken, and I think those are important concepts. But God fixes those things. I'm more convinced and, frankly, more grateful by constantly and consistently being pointed back to God after a year of podcasting dangerously. All of you are blessings to me. 
I've mentioned it a few times, but if you're interested in joining the Balancing the Christian Life Facebook group, please let me know. We're up to 440, and I think we talk about important things. Or if you'd like to be a part of the Excel Still More Chapter a Day group, we'd love to have you. Or if you'd like to join Mark Roberts, another good friend who has an excellent Bible reading program, let me know. I'll be thrilled to send you his way. Next week, I plan to release an episode with some Christians who have been very active in the Chapter a Day group and have seen some real growth in studying the Bible together. So until then, let's be good and do good.